Welcome to our podcast, Obsidian Stories. I'm Angela Ford, founder of the Obsidian Collection Archives. As we digitize Black history around the world, we're discovering thousands of stories and events in the global Black diaspora. Dr. King was waking people up. Dr. King was woke. He was shaking everybody else. Y'all wake up. And here's why, and here's what. Reclaiming the Black narrative, we are telling the stories about our culture the way we experience it. This conversation is between our brilliant podcast hostess, Joy Weathers, and celebrated Black publisher, Hermine Hardman. It's about Hermine's images of Dr. Martin Luther King's visit to Chicago in 1966. Hello, everyone. My name is Joy Weathers, and on behalf of the Obsidian Collection, I am so, so honored and excited to be taking place in this inaugural conversation for their amazing podcast. I am sitting here not only with a Chicago legend, an African-American legend, this is an American legend when it comes to women in publishing. This woman has really been the North Star for a lot of people within the community in terms of her work in the creative space, serving as the CEO and president of the Chicago-based Hartman Publishing Group, weekly publishing columns that even myself, I had to do reports on in terms of how to better understand my way in the world. I am beyond honored to have the iconic Hermine Hartman here to have our conversation. I, I want to read some of those reports you did. Oh, yes. <laughs> definitely. My parents saved everything. So I definitely oh, will send them your That's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you for being here. And just even in looking at the evolution of your publishing group and what we're here to discuss today, the amazing work um, that you have in terms of, you know, really immortalizing some of our photos of the greats and some of our iconic figures. So we are going to be having a conversation about what you are currently doing in the NFT space, specifically with uh, maybe a lesser known for some of us, but nonetheless, an iconic African-American photojournalist by the name of John Tweedle. So would love to hear a little bit more just in terms of tell us about how he was intertwined into the creative space and just a little bit of who he was. So John Tweedle was a photographer. He was a photojournalist. He was the first Black photographer hired by a major newspaper. I believe the major newspaper was the Daily News, which was an afternoon newspaper in Chicago and then to the Chicago Sun-Times. So here's, here's his story. John was a photographer that carried about five cameras. Now, why did he have five cameras? Because when he was shooting, he shot for John, he shot for Jet, he shot for Associated Press, and then others as a freelancer. So each camera had photos that he sold to publications or uh, outlets at that time. And that's the way he made his living. When Dr. King came to Chicago, he liked John. He and John just bonded. They, they had a nice uh, relationship. And uh, John was a big guy, so he was always in front because he'd knock everybody else out of, out of his way. He'd elbow them out of his way. So he got pictures of Dr. King that nobody else got. But John had pictures that nobody else got. Now, keep in mind, this is a very tall kind of football player 
looking guy, John Tweedle with five cameras on. So, you know, get the visual, get the visual of it. So when he came in, it was like, okay, everybody better get out of his way. And they did. So he had pictures that others just didn't have the opportunity uh, to get. And then the other thing, John was a big teddy bear. He was a sweetheart of a guy and everybody just loved John. And um, so he got positioning, he got in the room, he got insights through his camera that others simply did not have. I was a kid at that time, kind of a, a young woman, college student, and working in in the civil rights movement. And John and I bonded because we would he, he would help me with trying to do PR, and it was better if you did PR with pictures than not. Your story was more likely to get picked up with pictures. So we bonded. This is a little bit before my involvement, but John had these pictures of Dr. King, and he would pull them out, and he would tell me about them. This is what happened. This is where we were. This is who was there. He would talk about those pictures an awful lot. And um, I knew the pictures. I, I, I knew that period of history. It was something he was very proud of. But for the most part, most of these pictures were unseen and unknown by the populace. John became, after he left the um, Sun-Times, John became the official photographer for the city of Chicago for Mayor Michael Belantic. Again, you know, a, a nice bond he had with that with that person uh, at the time, the mayor, and um, he became a city official photographer. Again, getting pictures that others did not, could not, would not get. And John died at his desk with those cameras on. He died with his cameras on, literally. Hearing that still gives me chills, just in the sense of how you know he was relatively young. You know, when when that happened, I believe like early to mid 40s. Yes. Um, yes. And even looking yes. at that, it just some of the similarities yes. between him and Dr. King, both being Southern. I'm um, growing up as Southern young men. Dr. King spending a year here, but also understanding just the significance of the moment and that that fight for freedom and what that meant for African-Americans just not only in Chicago, but also in the Southern states as well. So I could definitely see that being a, a bonding portion for those two as they were getting to know one another. But the impact of, of getting, like you said repeatedly, he could get the shots that no one else could get and also kind of cross over from the professional to the personal aspect of Dr. King's life. So I would love to find out also if you have the tool book in terms of how to do it, but how did you come across these photos for yourself and to share them out in the format that you're doing? When John passed away, uh, John had a studio on uh, 53rd Street in Chicago. And when he passed, pictures, 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 right? And um, his wife called me and she said, Hermine, I think you know these pictures. And I did. I knew the King pictures because John had talked about them so much and I did know them. And it was like, we have to save them, but we also have to do something with them. Now, let's, let's talk about that era. That's a time when people... They were real photographers, not iPhones, but real photographers who took pictures with Nikons and fabulous cameras. 
but also developed their pictures in the dark room, in black and white usually. And that in itself was a real art in developing pictures. So one day I was I was a professor then, I was a sociology professor. I was lecturing to my students and we were talking about social movements and social change and how it comes about and what social unrest means to society and so forth. And I was using a point of purpose with Dr. King. And I was looking at a sea of black of blank faces. They did not know what I was talking about. It was a period of history, not old, but they didn't know what I was talking about. And so I had to explain it in a different way. But that was the moment that I said to me, we've got to do something with these pictures to preserve and to recall a historical moment, a historical time. Uh, Dr. King came to Chicago. This was the northern city that he chose to come to to fight racism in housing and in education particularly. And, and politically. It ended up politically, of course. And so I went to Diane to say, uh, I'm going to start doing a book. And so I started going through the pictures and, you know, outlining and putting a photo book together to tell the story of King in Chicago, what it looked like, what it was, how it matriculated and so forth. That's how the book Lasting Impression, that's where those pictures are. and. That's that's how the book came about. No, that's amazing. And also to speak to your own, you know, reputation of being, you know, that change agent and also, you know, kind of being a keeper of our tales or that griot in that space that his wife even called you and, you know, understood that you would know, you know, the sanctity and, and how to leverage that as an educational tool for our community and for future generations. So seeing how you you even had like the book Lasting Impressions where you're highlighting his photos and and what it meant for the the specific aspect of the civil rights movement with Dr. King being here from 66 to 67, there's the iconic shot, you know, of him like being in a Chicago alley, you know, and it's it's almost like, you know, it still looks like a pulpit image slightly, but it's like you see him amongst the masses having this conversation. And clearly there were notable people in attendance, but he is talking to the Black community of Chicago and, and empowering them. And that's a shot that just personalizes it. Were you there at that event? No. Okay. I was not there at any of those events. King was of the community. So he wasn't talking at people. He was talking to them. And as he he moved in, uh, he took an apartment, he and his wife took an apartment on the west side of Chicago on Hamlin Street. It's, it's torn down now. It's not what it was uh, as he lived it. And he was talking about slum landlord conditions um, and wanted to rectify that. So uh, there are pictures of him moving in. uh, And when they realized that Dr. King was moving in, uh, there was street cleaning, there was apartment cleaning, there was new stoves, new refrigerators and so forth uh, because King was coming. Right. So and uh, the mayor then was uh, Mayor Richard Daly, who kept saying we didn't have slums in Chicago. We didn't need King in Chicago. And there was no reason for a freedom fight in Chicago. So King obviously was magnifying some social conditions that truly did exist in Chicago. 
So those are some of the pictures that you see, the move in, the walk in. And it was a big to do because national press was paying attention to what King was doing in our city. Uh, So you've got pictures of King on the back porch and people from everywhere came around to see and greet the new neighbor. You've got pictures of King in what was then the Robert Taylor Homes. And he is in a, I guess, uh, what would you call that now? A cart, literally, pulled by a car. And it is his pulpit. The streets became, his his sermons reached the streets of the people. And you do see him. He was a minister. Dr. King was truly a minister. So he was in his pulpit. He just wasn't in church. And then you see the uh, there are pictures of him when he was in the church. And the church was packed and crowded as he was talking about conditions. So there were two things that King came here for. One was schools. There was something called Willis Wagons, where Black students were going to school double time, but not necessarily in the classroom school, but in trailers outside of the school. And that was being challenged by King. Uh, Some of the other fantastic photos you have is Dr. King called for a march at Soldier's Field. And so you have highlights of him at that march. You've got uh, Mahalia Jackson was Dr. King's favorite singer. And you've got Mahalia Jackson and Dr. King sitting on a wonderful hot summer day at Soldier's Field as he was about to deliver his address. So you've got King moving throughout Chicago in very scenic photos, always shirt and tie, um, as he was, you know, advocating for Blackness and for freedom and for righteousness in the city. Definitely. I have a question, and this might even be more pulling back into into John and his and I should say Mr. Tweedle and his his legacy in the sense of his his photography. Do you think he realized from the personality that you described, do you think he realized the impact that his photos were having as he was taking them? Or do you think he truly was just trying to do something he loved and be a benefit to the community? Both. Okay. It's both. Dr. King was magnificent and captivating. And you kind of knew in his presence that you were with a special person. That's number one. Number two, the social issues that Dr. King was addressing were, I guess people, if if we use today's terminology and we look at it from a today's perspective, Dr. King was waking people up. Dr. King was woke. He was shaking everybody else. So y'all wake up and here's why and here's what. Here's some issues that, you know, perhaps need to be addressed. As Dr. King was a minister, John was a photographer. I think John must have slept in in, with with cameras and took a bath with cameras because you always saw him with cameras. Can you imagine this big guy with five cameras on? And to watch him work was like watching an orchestra because he would take one camera, throw it on his back, Another camera, throw it on his back, but he had these cameras assigned to various, what we would call now platforms, okay? Um, I think he knew he was recording a moment, but I'm not so sure he knew what the moment was. But that's what his pictures did. He gave definition to something. 
he gave a presence to something uh, as he as he as he was a shooter. That's that's really what he what he did. So, you know, when uh, when you are living. And experiencing whatever you are living in that moment, that moment becomes history, but you don't realize that it's history at that moment. Uh, One of the things that when I started Indigo, uh, I had maybe on my third issue, I had a a librarian from Indiana come visit with me. And she wanted to talk to me to give me perspective on what I was doing. And she said, what you do today is history tomorrow. Be very careful as to what you do, what you write, and how you do it. She gave me the power of words. Words count. Words matter. Words make statements. Words record history. She was also telling me, you are recording a history that's not recorded. Black folk weren't in newspapers so much so. You heard these negative stories on Black folks, but you didn't hear positive stories. You didn't hear insight. Uh, She was telling me as I wrote my page, my publisher's page that you say you wrote reports on. She was saying you're giving interpretation and insights into the moment of how you see something happening now. And that might not be anywhere else. So be careful of what you do and how you do it. What John gave me as a young person beginning in this journalistic world was photography. See, sometimes your words can be said in photography, and sometimes the photographer needs your words to explain the picture. And you marry those two things. That's a special moment. And that's what he gave me. I'm a great shooter without a camera. I can tell the photographer what to shoot. I can set a picture up very, very well. That's John working with me as to how to do what to do. We had a thing where I would say, John, here's your shot. And it would it, it would be something maybe that wasn't being seen, but here's your shot right here. So did he know? The answer to your question is, yes, he knew he was recording something, but he knew he was recording it and no one else was. I love that. I, I And I think that's, you know, that's the whole point of at times, like when you're the first and when you're stepping out, you know, into those roles, like you do, you know, feel the weight, not in a negative sense, but you feel the responsibility of that's what right. it is that you're doing and how you're representing the community. And hi- like you said, highlighting stories that were not being highlighted, you know, as that right. librarian told you. Um, and also to speak to the, the skill set of how a lot of people, we all see different things, you know, so that the fact that you could have that, that relationship where it's like you all can still interpret it the same way, you know, that's a a very unique uh, mutualistic, I should say, or symbiotic relationship to have um, within photography and also within like the written word. But now let's jump into currently how you are keeping his pictures alive, keeping this moment in history alive. When I found out that you were into the NFT space, I was like, um, oh 
okay, technological progression. I'm like, you are on top of it. <laughs> well, if, if if you are in the now and you are in uh, media, I don't care what shape, form you take it, you've got to stay woke and you got to stay up on it because it is a fast changing moment. That's number one. And number two, as it changes, you better change too. You better keep up with it. I mean, we don't have dark rooms anymore. All right. And we are all photographers now via uh, our iPhones. Right. So you've got to you've got to keep it up now. With these pictures, I've always kept these pictures and they're dear to me and I've kept them in very good shape. They are not only are these pictures of King, these are John's pictures as he developed them in the dark room. All right. And they become more valuable every year because they they are historic and they're historic documents. That's really what they are as they record something that may not have been recorded. And I understand that. I mean, I really, that's in my gut. I understand that. So I met this lady named Angela Ford, and she <laughs> is about the business in the Obsidian Collection of recording. So let me tell you how I met her. I was at a party uh, with uh, Bob Black. Do you, you remember Bob Black and John White? They were yes. they were photographers that John Tweedle mentored, uh, and both of them that I did not know. Yeah, yeah. oh, okay. those That's were amazing. John's proteges. Those were John's interns at the Chicago Sun Times, and uh, they are terrific photographers, Pulitzer Prize winning photographers, and Ovi Carter, who was at the Tribune. But John led the way. John was the pioneer of that space, and so. I was saying to them, as I have uh, gathered so much stuff from doing a newspaper, and I said, hey, guys, what are you going to do with your pictures? And I need you to tell me what I should do with mine. What do we do with this stuff? And everybody was like, that's a great question. What do we do with this stuff? So the party kind of became, you know, we had our little corner and we were talking kind of serious uh, about it, but it was a great question and I wanted their input. So after the party, Ovi called me and said, I've got, I think I got a solution for you. And they knew about these pictures that I had, John's pictures. And uh, Obi introduced me to Angela to say she was recording and preserving pictures. And he said, I think this is someone you should meet because he says, I'm thinking about giving her my pictures. And then Bob was thinking about, they were thinking about, and I said, well, you know, I got to do it because I, I got file cabinets full of these uh, pictures. So Angela and I got together and I was very impressed with not only what she was doing, but how she was doing it. This is serious work. It's not casual work. And we need as Black folk to record our own. And it's a tedious project. Not even. It's very very tedious tedious to categorize and organize. Yes. You, you have file cabinets. Where I have file cabinets 
And so Angela and I got together and that is how I have given her some of the Indigo collection, but the King pictures. Uh, And then along the way, after we've worked together, maybe two years, this thing called NFT pops up. And so Angela calls me and says, uh, I have an idea of something we should do. And we start talking about the NFTs and she started walking me through and explaining them to me. And uh, I didn't see, it's like, well, where are we? I saw cartoonish looking stuff and crazy looking stuff. And I was like, Angela, you sure we ought to do this? And she said, yes, we ought to, we ought to do this. So it gives my, my, my point is to keep those pictures alive uh, as a, as a documentation, not only of King, but of John's work. And so this becomes a new episode. This becomes a new period. This becomes a new time of uh, to share uh, those pictures with the world, yeah. really, uh, outside of a book, but in another dimension, in another world that I think they would both be very happy with and very proud of. You literally are speaking to the evolution of history and how and how we ingest it and how we preserve it, you know, because not everyone Mm -hmm. can just readily say, I'm going to hop on a flight and go, you know, to the National Mall and go to the the Smithsonian and and take in some of these images, you know. Um, So to do it in this way completely opens it up to everyone with Internet access to be able to, you know, see the imagery gain their own perspective, you know, help them in their own journey, however it may be. So I think that is phenomenal. And also just speaking to the amazingness that is Miss Angela for, as well as has her stick-to-itiveness and tenacity. Like if Angela sets a plan in motion, it's going to happen. So seeing two powerhouses like you join forces is amazing and really does help preserve our history. And what I love most, continue to push Chicago in the forefront as it should be as well, you know, and the role that we play in, in history. Joy, you know, I say this a lot in uh, public speaking, Chicagoans sometimes forget who we are. You know, the, the difference, if you were to ask me, what's the difference between New York and Chicago? I would say New York people know who they are. Chicago, we are the shoulder the big shoulders. And we work. I mean, we just go to the grindstone and we just do it. And we do it consistently. We do it persistently. And we are, we work, but it starts here. This is where politically it starts. This is where it has started. We have been the hub of black business in America. Uh, We've been the hub of, uh, political forecasting in America. We have been the publishers, Black publishers particularly in America, and I could go on and on, but we are the shoulder, the big shoulders by the on the lake, and we are in the Midwest. We're in the middle of it, and we forget mm-hmm. that sometimes as to who we are and where we are. And that's very important to me. As I look at all of this work that I've done over the years and the people that we have put on the cover of Indigo, I see another perspective now. I see a historical perspective now 
of Muhammad Ali, Mm -hmm. of John Johnson, of King coming to Chicago rather than going to New York to make the change that he that he wanted to make. Uh, Jesse Jackson here and Elijah Muhammad here, Mm -hmm. leadership here. And it goes on and on and on and on. But it's so important that we know who we are and where we are, because Chicago is in the center of this America. I mean, you're absolutely correct. There's not a news story that I haven't looked at. If You know, Louis Armstrong spending time here, Vivian G. Harsh, you Mm -hmm. know, and that that was the who I wanted to also specifically highlight when I see you ladies and, and just. Even looking at Mrs. Vivian G. Harsh, you know, and the the George T. Hall Branch Library and what she did within the community and preserving our history, the fact that she was considered mm-hmm. like the mentor to Richard Wright. You know, these are all not only just amazing African-American men, but a plethora of Amer- uh, African-American women who have really served to be the catalyst and continue pushing these moments forward and to, like you said, highlighting it. So hopefully... This serves as another opportunity for us to remember, especially that nothing moves without Chicago. You can't you can't have an American story without putting Chicago in that mix. We're in the middle of it. Exactly. We're in the middle of it all the time. I'm here for it. And I'm probably my coworkers probably can't stand me because I'm always at work. Like, but what part are we highlighting Chicago? When are we bringing the funds there? So I definitely can speak to doing that even in my own personal life. But looking not only at how you are evolving your your brand, how you are looking to preserve these pictures, what else do would you would you want someone to know not only about these images, but even what's coming forward or what's maybe coming next in terms of the work that you're doing for the community when it comes to these photos or anything else? So a couple of things. Indigo has graduated from print We are now digital, Indigo.com. And now we are, for the last three years, we've done a television program, Indigo Studio. Know that the media carries the image that makes the perception of what people think about who we are. Mm. Images are important. They're critical, actually, because they give definition to who you are. So your images, they're, they're important, and it's important who defines them and who keeps them and who preserves them and who projects them. I love the fact that you're highlighting that, especially towards the end of this conversation, and the fact of like us keeping and preserving our own imagery and not letting them fall into the hands of people who don't understand the sanctity of it or who might look at it as just, this is a great business investment because I know I can now give this to whoever I want. And for us to keep our own stories. Like, I I love that and that that's being highlighted or beginning to be highlighted, especially with this John Tweedle collection. I can't wait to see anything else that is within the file cabinet, whatever else is being developed by the Obsidian collection. I always feel like, ooh, I got the insiders inside. I know what's going on. So (laughs) I am. That's that's because you come from Chicago. It's a Chicago thing. All day, all day. (laughs) South side till the death of me. Definitely, ma'am. I cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed having this conversation with you. I am so, so honored to be, you know, just a part of this and to hear these stories that are going to be coming from the Obsidian Collection, not only just this one, but more to come. So I hope everyone has gained something from this conversation. Do you have any final words? I will give the floor to you, ma'am. 
No, ma'am. Let's 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 keep doing it and uh, let's stay up with it. And uh, let's know that Chicago, this is where it begins. Yes. No better way to end the discussion. Mm-hmm. Hope everyone has a wonderful day and we will talk soon. Thank you. We're moving Dr. Martin Luther King from the past to the metaverse. New generations will experience John Tweedle's images of a great visit of a great man in Black Chicago. I hope you enjoyed this Obsidian story. 